Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, technical editor at Bike Radar, and sat with me is Seb Stott, who is our oracle of bike tech in the testing hub on the mountain bike side of things. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, you know. It's not my official job title, it, but I I think I would like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a better job title than the one you officially have. Yeah, which is technical, tech writer. technical writer. Which I think downplays your skills. Well, that's very kind of you so, to say. I'll have a chat with Rob, your boss. Yeah. We'll, we'll work on that. Um, we're talking about mountain bikes today. Um, this is one of our fortnightly podcasts. Um, if you haven't subscribed already to the White Radar podcast, do so, because we have a podcast every Monday. Uh, we have these fortnightly ones where we have a... A more informal chat about whether it's a road topic or a mountain bike topic. Uh, we also have interviews with people coming up. Well, well, we've had people like Jeff Stever. We've had ultra endurance cyclists, Nico Vulios, that sort of thing. And we also have our tech talk series as well, where we get a little bit geeky about a particular tech tub subject. Tech tub subject. Tech tub subject. A subject. About tech. <laughs> um, so today we thought we'd talk about... Um, how much should you actually spend on your next mountain bike? And I guess it is in some ways applicable to road cyclists as well. Um, but if you, you know, if you regularly read uh, mountain bike press, uh, whether it's our own titles or, or any others, it's very easy to get drawn into sort of the feeling that you have to be spending five, six, seven grand on a bike. You know, all these, you know, when you go on a product launch, we see these super top end bikes. You know, you see all the races racing them. You see all the reviews of expensive bikes. But actually, there's a whole world of bikes out there that don't ignore, you know, they're, they're actually pretty darn good. So we thought we'd, we'd talk through the range of prices of various mountain bikes, maybe make a few recommendations along the way, um, and also talk about what to expect and where maybe a sweet spot might be. Yeah, basically what you get for your money at different price points. That was a way more succinct way of putting it than I just did over the past five minutes. <laughs> well done. Oh, well, yeah, I, th- I thought yours, yours was very good time. Thanks. You're nothing but not efficient. So. <laughs> nothing but not efficient. God, I got uh, that wrong, didn't I? Yeah. You're very efficient, Seb. Thanks, Tom. In many ways. Um, should we, let, let's start talking about... Um, yeah, so when, should, we when... talk, should we start with... Um, so the cheapest kind of mountain bikes that we test mm. are around about £500. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the point where you start getting into a, a really capable mountain bike that's not you know, going to fall apart when you take it off a drop or a jump. Yeah. Uh, so you recently did a, a test of four 500-pound hardtails. And 
Yeah, I did. Is that yeah. right? The four, 500 pounds ish, weren't Yeah, they? I did 500 pounds and I did 750 as well. Mm. Yeah. Well, basically, entry level, kind of entry level hardtails. Yeah, I guess that five to seven hundred pounds is kind of entry level for mountain bikes. Uh, we know that's not peanuts, but yeah, that's what we consider to be entry level mountain yeah. bikes that are fit for purpose. Mm-hmm. So, what what were the takeaways from that? What what can you get for five hundred pounds? And I mean, they're, they're all hardtails, which is relatively obvious, I, I guess. Um, yeah. So this means you know they <laughs> the frames are a lot cheaper to produce. So you you have a, a rigid frame that then allows the manufacturers to put on a two or three or even one by, in some cases, drivetrains, as well as a set of suspension forks, usually, say, 100 to 120 mil. Mm-hmm. None of the bikes particularly were super aggressive at this price point until we got to, well, there's a By which mean, like, kind of cross-country biased? Well, when I was trying to pick the bikes for the test, I actually didn't pick the more cross-country biased bikes because... And I think maybe we could talk about this later on. That the traditional entry level bike has always been seemed to have been based off the cross country race bike of that brand, which is always a bit of a weird way of doing it. Because if you look at like a cross country race hardtail that you know you might see in a in a World Cup, they're designed to go uphill very fast, and they're not designed to be super fast down a hill. Yeah, they're not designed to be stable in no. any sense of the word. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a, a bugbear of mine. Is is why are some entry-level hardtails, or traditionally entry-level hardtails, were quite sort of traditional geometry, quite quite yeah. steep head angles, quite short wheelbases. They were quite unstable and like hard to ride fast or or hard to ride on technical terrain. Yeah. We did um, a feature back in when What Mountain Bike magazine still existed. Um, we took an entry level specialized and an entry level uh, and a top end specialized and compared them and, and you know within half a degree and five millimeters they were identical and as you say without casting casting too many aspersions on 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 the market generally speaking the average person who's buying an entry level bike is probably not always but probably going to be less experienced yeah i'm probably less interested in how fast can you go up a climb in a cross-country race yeah, probably more interested in can I ride down that section of routes without going over the bars? Can I go off that drop, you know, without feeling like the bike is quite sketchy? Yeah, so um, it, it makes sense that you have you should have an entry level bike that's easy to ride. So yeah. when I was picking the bikes for this test, I was actually looking for the more trail orientated bikes. You know, ultimately, geom- good geometry is free. You know, it doesn't yeah, cost it you any be, more yeah. money to put a 66 degree head angle than it does to put a 69.5 but the difference between those two figures is substantial on the trail yeah so what can you get for that money can you get something that's the, worth having that's going to be satisfying absolutely. to a keen mountain biker yeah 100 percent. actually there were some really great little bikes um in in those tests the vetus which won um Actually, Vitus won both of the tests I did, the, the, the real 500-pound one and the sub-800-pound test. Vitus came out on top in both, partly because of the kit that they put on. And this is something we'll talk about again in a little bit, it's the whole direct sell versus um, buy from a, a bricks-and-mortar shop. And we will we are going to cover that later on because it's very important. But um, the kit on those bikes was really good. But most importantly, from a confidence point of view, the shape of the bike of those Vituses mm. was absolutely on point you know you could have that shape on a, on a bike three grand and you wouldn't be particularly disappointed so it's you know slacker head angles longer wheelbase things Slack, like that exactly that slacker head angles longer wheelbase lower bb so was there a downside to that or did you just perceive that as an advantage in terms of stability generally speaking i was looking at their kind of downhill or descending performance because that's what really scares people i guess you know when you're riding a a cheaper bike if you if you've got something that's confident down a hill you're going to get more out of it totally yeah <clears throat> it's a better kind of entry into the sport isn't it it's a yeah you want i th- i think you want a bike at that sort of price point to encourage you to mm-hmm. build your confidence and build your skills rather than something that's you know maybe 1% quicker uphill but you know is terrifying to yeah. ride and you know we've ridden these kind of bikes that are like make you feel like a beginner mm. um so yeah i think that's that's really important yeah and so yeah th- there was some some good bikes there's some not so good bikes in there you know one of the things i really noticed there is that actually there's still some three by drivetrains still some two by drivetrains two by drivetrains okay i think and the three by they do work 
but they're noticeably a one by drivetrain is smoother, it's quieter, it's simpler easy, to operate. Yeah, easy You've to got use. One shifter that goes up and you know, like one click goes up, one click goes down. On a two by system or a three by system where you've got the shifters, the thumb paddles do the opposite things. So if you come into cycling from having never ridden a bike and you've got a shifter, you know, push with your thumb and it makes it go easier on the back, but on the front it makes it go harder. You're like, a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't design a bike like that from an ergonomic perspective, you know, if you had a blank sheet of paper. No. That's just how how they worked. But, okay, so mm -hmm. um, when you compared the £500 winner, let's say, to the £750 winner, what... What are the main differences? What what do you get for the extra? Because it's fifty percent more money. Yeah, yeah. So the, the main difference was um, the suspension fork was marginally better. There's, I don't think you can ever, you're ever going to say that a suspension fork at that price is going to be great. Yeah. But it was okay on the on the. I think it's just under eight hundred quid. The, the the Vetus. You had an air fork on on the on the more expensive one, so a bit more adjustable. Mm. Um, you're not reliant on like a coil spring in the fork to work for everyone. You know, all the time it was. Yeah, and most of the time those cheap forks, they're one size fits all. Yeah. So if you're really heavy or really light, it's just not going to work for you. And the inconsistency amongst identical forks on the different bikes, they all felt different despite being the same fork. Oh, really? But with an air fork, you can tune it to your weight way easier. Mm. And they're just a bit smoother, a little bit lighter. The main difference really, oh, okay, there's a drivetrain difference, one by and two by. The main difference was on that slightly more expensive one, you got a proper front tire. It was a 2.35 inch, 29 by 2.35, Addict Soft Compound Magic Mary on the front. So loads of grip. Brilliant tire. Yeah. Oh, that tire, you could put that tire on an EWS winning bike and great. Yeah. Um, and that was really... That made the difference between that bike. That was almost one of the main reasons why that bike won. Yeah. It's fantastic, yeah. And But to be fair, even on the £500 one, you still got a WTB Vigilante. Yeah. Nice big volume, real aggressive tread, just gave you that bit of confidence that some of the other bikes didn't have. Okay. So then when you go to £1,000, do you get much more, do you think? I think there is a, there's a noticeable step up at £1,000. I don't think the quality of the frame changes drastically. Yeah, but there are probably more options for that kind of longer, more stable trail bike geometry. There's more options, yeah. Um, I'm not necessarily convinced that those options, there's going to be more options, but they're not necessarily going to be better options. I think that the, the Vetus frame, you could stick that at 1,500 quid and you'd be pretty happy, save for the fact that it had a QR back end, not a bolt through. That's a different conversation. Yeah. Um, but I think at £1,000, you know, you, you're getting well into one by drivetrains. You definitely yeah. get in there fork, and you should you should be getting decent tires at that point. Yeah, not just the plasticky of the plasticist. So I recently tested two thousand pound bikes. One was a, a Voodoo um, Bazango Carbon. Mm -hmm. So you can get a carbon hardtail at that price. And we went for a cross country ride. You're on like two two and a half thousand pound bikes. Yeah, and I was struggling to keep up with you. That I think that's because you're massively fitter than me these days. But I couldn't really blame the bike. I was looking down at the bike and I was like, well, my bike maybe weighs half a kilo, maybe a kilo more. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the fork hasn't got quite as nice damping. Mm -hmm. But it's basically the same thing. I mean, the thing with that bike, the, the, the Voodoo especially, and, you know, if you're not in the UK, Voodoo is the in-house brand effectively of Halfords, which is a large sort of auto and sports-ish supermarket. Yeah, it's, it's been like a Decathlon boutique company. or something. It's not a boutique shop. No, but they, they do, have they do really good value bikes. Great value you at know, that price point. Yeah, um, yeah. So the, so you can get a thousand pound bike, which is like a a carbon frame, and it's not just carbon for the sake of it. It's properly, it's genuinely impressively light. Mm. Um, and you know, twenty nine er boost axles. Mm -hmm. You know, it's properly up to date, upgradable. The geometry is kind of like a cross country bike, but a bit more. Bit more progressive, really. It's got slightly yeah, slacker head angle and shorter stem. I was really impressed with that bike. The kit on that wasn't that much worse than the kit on the two thousand two hundred and fifty pound Specialized Epic that I was testing at the time. Yeah, it had the same drivetrain. It had was it twelve speed though? Yeah, SX Eagle it had roughly the same. It had a slightly worse fork. Mm. It had the same brakes, I think. Yeah, it was very similar. Certainly for a twelve hundred pound difference. Yeah, because that specializes more than twice the price, remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my point is you can get if you if what you want is a hardtail, mm. 
you can get a pretty good one for a thousand pounds. Yeah. I also tested also from Halfords, also a thousand pounds. I've tested their um Carrera uh Carrera Titan X. It was called Titan X. So it was a hundred and thirty mil travel full suspension trail bike yeah. for a grand. And I mean, really impressive. But I felt like with that bike, you were to compare it to a bike twice the price would be nowhere near as favorable. Mm. Like it felt really compromised. So there's only three sizes to cover everyone. Mm. And the largest size is really not very big. The frame feels quite out of date. Even for a large, it's quite small. And expecting a large to cater to everyone up to my height mm. and beyond is is a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it came with a 12-speed drivetrain, a dropper post, decent brakes, decent suspension, quite good tires mm-hmm. for a £1,000. Yeah. So, it, so it's amazing value, but compared to other full suspension bikes for admittedly, you know, twice the price. Yeah. It was really quite compromised. Yeah. It felt compromised. Whereas that hardtail was like, well, how much better is a hardtail going to get? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it'd be a bit lighter, might have a slightly nicer fork, but still going to have a rigid back end. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, how much, rattle down how much better can the fork really make the bike? Yeah. Um, I mean, the elephant in the room at the £1,000 mark has got to be the caliber boss nut. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you're talking about full suspension bikes, they, I think they've moved up to eleven hundred pounds now. Yeah, they did a special shadow additional back edition or something that was again just for, like a a limited edition one back at a grand, I think. But yeah, okay, so eleven hundred pounds. Yeah, but I mean that's a phenomenal bike, isn't I th- it? I think it's the only one I've ever given five stars to. Yeah, yeah, and it's a real genuinely good bike because the geometry on the caliber is far more in line with what you get with a high end trail bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's maybe, you know, a, a little bit behind. Like, it's not as slack and as long as as the yeah. most sort of out there um, trail bikes. But mm-hmm. you know what? A couple of years ago, anyone would say that geometry was... Bang up to date. Bang up to date. And that's a bike you can, you know, that and the Voodoos. We haven't we haven't touched on direct sales yet, which we will do. But those are both bikes that you can go to a physical shop pedal around a car yeah. park at least yeah. and try out and have a look you're I not mean, buying it off the internet you go into a shop to buy yeah. it and it's not you know it's not a a boutique bike shop with a with a coffee machine mm. in a corner and you know cycling magazines all over it's yeah it's a it's a warehouse auto parts shop so yeah or go outdoors you know like an yeah, outdoor supermarket go outdoors. it's a it's an outdoor supermarket but you can physically go and have a sit on the bike, kick the tires, maybe pedal it around the car park. Mm-hmm. Like, that's worth a lot. I think one thing that people, you know, worry about when they're going and buying a bike from Halfords or Go Outdoors is that they're not going to get the same level of experienced um, sales care. And I think, yeah. that is, I think it's probably more variable than your average bike shop. But, you know, I've been in, you know, we've got a Halfords close to the office, which I've popped into now and again, or Cycle Republic, whatever they call it. Mm. Good guys in there, you know, they do know what they're talking about. And, you know, there might there, there's there's going to be cases where you're not going to get exactly the same service that you might expect from a a, a dedicated bike shop. But don't, yeah, definitely not worth writing off, you know. Yeah, and I mean, at the very least, if you take it home and you find that, I don't know, one of the spokes is loose, mm-hmm. you can come right back in to the, to the shop you bought it from and say, well, this is wrong, can you yeah. fix that? And they'll probably fix it for yeah, you. Whereas, like, if you buy a... a Proper direct sales bike. So this includes like Vitus, uh, Canyon, YT Industries, mm-hmm. etc. If you have a problem with your bike, a warranty issue, you may have to send it back yeah. in a box and wait, you know, potentially several weeks to get it fixed. Yeah. So there is a real advantage. And and we have to take that into account when we're testing bikes. We mm-hmm. have to say, like, okay, this bike is cracking value. It's it it outrides anything else in the in the price point, but be aware, it'll come in a box. You won't be able to see it beforehand. And if you have a problem with it, you know, it might be more of a faff. It's not a day, you know, you're not going to take it in the morning, pick it up in the afternoon. Yeah, you're going to have to yeah. faff around with couriers and all that sort of jazz. So, yeah, I think we've, we can put a pin in that for now because yeah. like that, the direct sales thing riles a lot of people up. Mm-hmm. But I think we've dealt with it like for the purposes of this podcast. It's yeah. like, 
we are going to talk about a lot of direct sales bikes in this because we're talking about top value for money. But I think, to be honest, if you're a skilled home mechanic, you know what you're doing. Like, a lot of people are absolutely fine mm. with a bike arriving in a box if it costs them, you know, several hundred quid less. Yeah, and the rest. Yeah, yeah they'll take the risk. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think I certainly would. Yeah. If I was buying a bike, I would at least consider. But I think the I think the Voodoo and the and the Caliber brands both prove that you don't have to buy direct sales to get great value for money. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I think I might be picking one up for test from local shop yeah. on my way home. A Caliber. Nice. Anyway, should we move on to sort of the the two thousand pounding mark? Because I think this is yeah. You know, we we do a lot of you know reader surveys and all this sort of stuff and it seems that when you get to the two to three thousand pound mark this is what a lot of people actually are spending their money on yeah and i think there's good reason for that i think you can get particularly with full suspension bikes you can get i know two thousand pounds is an awful lot more than a thousand pounds but you can get a lot more for your money yeah especially when you're talking about full suspension bikes you could get something like again sorry to bang on about direct sales but you can get the yt jeff c Mm-hmm. base mm-hmm. for about two thousand pounds and you get like proper properly up-to-date sizing yeah they've you just get... updated that for 2020 yeah have they yeah it's got uh rockstrix yari forks a proper like enduro fork which you can upgrade to the same spec as the lyric which is in my opinion the best fork mm-hmm. out there at the moment you can get i mean that is a proper will not hold you back gives, gives you no bike. excuses no excuses there um yeah so so the difference between a thousand pounds and two thousand pounds in trail bikes full suspension bikes is marked so let's let's go through like what what are you actually going to notice on the trail between those two bikes so um where's that money being spent so the sizing is more the the frame geometry is a bit more innovative Mm -hmm. so it's a bit less lagging behind the crowd it's like bang up to date and that's not just a fashion thing it's like right this will ride better because it's basically longer, more stable, mm. steeper seat angle. The, it sounds so much like a fashion because it's not like, oh, it's lighter or something that's obviously better. It is it is a trend and there are downsides, but I think most people would agree that that more, more progressive sizing just makes the bike easier to ride, mm. easier to ride hard, easier to ride over technical terrain. And we're not talking about like the longest bikes in the world here, um, but even the caliber is, you know, a fair bit, shorter a bit yeah. more cramped particularly if you're tall than you know something like that yt which is not not outrageously long but it's up to date mm-hmm. it's it's bang up to where a, a modern trail bike should be um i think that's a big difference but also the quality of the suspension you get more suspension travel as well mm-hmm. in that case but you also get you know a stiffer fork chassis with much better air spring more smoother um more more kind of traction from the fork yeah um uh yeah the the drivetrain is probably the same i think but the the wheels are a bit better the tires are a bit better like you get a lot more bike for money oh and you get a dropper post yeah. which the caliber <laughs> doesn't have i mean you yeah. will notice that straight away oh you don't have to stop to put your seat down yeah um yeah so so you get a lot more bike for your money mm-hmm. at that price uh other bikes like uh there's the Canyon Spectral mm-hmm. for you can get that for 1800 1900 yeah, pounds. Yeah, the, the base like model, which is a fantastic value bike. Yeah. Like, comes with the Fox 36. Is it? Yeah. Uh, the Rhythm. Huh. But still. Yeah, it's a good fork. Really good fork. Yeah. Uh, tested that last year. Mm. Uh, what else do you get? Uh, you could get the Caliber Sentry if you want like a full, like. And that's EWS spec. No compromise Enduro bike. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah it's heavy, but. Really, mm-hmm. we've talked about weight before in mm. a previous podcast. Not the end of the world. It's yeah. a bit heavier. It's um, you know fully fit for purpose. Even down to the tire spec mm-hmm. is like made for the gnarliest, most technical yeah. uh, tracks in the world. One of the things that surprised me recently with this um, two thousand or well, two and a bit thousand pound cross country bike test I did, I think it was two two fifty to two five hundred pounds there or thereabouts. I had um, I had a canyon. The two extremes of that, from uh, on a value point of view, the uh, the new specialized Epic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful frame. You know, in terms of cross country, that bike is progressive. Yeah. The frame it's got their eleven M fact carbon, which is one spec less than their S Works, but was last year's S Works carbon. 
No. Which is like, uh, was the headline figure for that frame not that it's the same weight as the road? So the, the S-Works frames the S-works come in at about 1760 grams for a large or a medium, whatever it was. You mean 760? 760, sorry. Yeah. And the, you know, this 2,000, well, two and a bit thousand pound cross-country hardtail frame is sub-kilo for the frame. Mm-hmm. Bloody impressive, really. And as I say, a year ago, that would have been the S-Works one pretty much. Yeah. Um. But the kit on it was, if I'm brutally honest, certainly compared to the other bikes in the test, was terrible. Mm. Um, it was a cheap, uh, it was SX or NX um, equal drivetrain. It had a basic RockShox fork, Recon, yeah. I think. It's just Ju- like Judy. Real, it was Judy, even, yeah. Judy, because I remember, because the, the Voodoo I mentioned earlier mm. had the Judy Silver. Yeah. Which has steel stanchions. Uh, okay, and yours yeah. has the Judy Gold, which yeah. is alloy stanchions. Because I was like, Hang on, haven't these bikes got basically the same, same fork? Spec, yeah. It's like, yeah, that ha- yours has alloy stanchions and a slightly nicer damper, but yeah. it's basically the same fork. With twice the price. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, I actually really liked the bike. I thought because of the shape was so good, it rode pretty well. And I thought the tires were good as well on that bike. Um, specialized fast track, I think. And they're a real supple, nice feeling tire. But anyway, my, my point is that the, the special wasn't great value for money, mm. although it rode really nicely. On the other end of the scale was a Canyon, um, and I'm going to forget the name of the model now. It's not the Lux. Exceed. Canyon Exceed. Mm. Basically the same price within a pound, a couple of hundred pounds. you got a carbon frame, but it came with a RockShox SID. It came with Reynolds carbon wheels. It came with proper Maxxis, uh, I think a triple compound tires. You've got a decent, uh, it was a GX Eagle group uh, drivetrain and like race yeah. face finishing kit. Like, the value on that was incredible. But the ride quality which, just wasn't a good. Which one did you prefer to ride? Ultimately, it was a Merida which won the test. Okay, yeah. But out of the Specialized in the Canyon? That's a tricky question, really. I, I actually gave them the same score. Yeah. And what I sort of said was, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind the kit off the, off the Canyon. Mm-hmm. But the geometry, as I said, the geometry just wasn't as up to date. And actually, I found the wheels relatively harsh, so I didn't find it as fast. But you know, a Sid way better than a Judy, so that you know the fork felt better. Yeah. The finishing kit was a bit nicer, X Y Z. So it's a real, it's actually quite an interesting test because ultimately, the, the bike which won the test, which was um, a Merida Big Nine, I would say that the frame was eighty percent as good as the Specialized frame. The kit arguably was eighty percent as good as a kit on the on the canyon but as a package it was a better overall bike yeah yeah um so yeah so i i guess the point is that at that sort of two thousand pound level there's vast differences between the best value bikes and the worst Mm. value bikes but also between the best riding bikes and the worst riding bikes yeah i think that kind of price is where some brands are like really really pushing the margins to try and get the best possible Mm. value and the best kit yeah. Other brands are like relying more on their the fact that you can, you know, walk into a shop and buy it, which is, mm. you know, a big deal for some people. Um yeah, there is a big big difference yeah. there. Uh, I think if you go up to like three grand, you can get a really solid bike from from pretty much anyone. From most people, yeah. A, a bike that I would be very happy to just be my mountain bike, my enduro bike or my yeah. trail bike. We've, we've just finished trail bike of the year, which you know is that exactly, yeah. exactly that. It's it's three to three and a half thousand pounds. I mean, again, there, there's big differences in the spec available. Yeah. But what becomes more noticeable at that price point is that even the bikes with a lower quality spec because they're not as good value, mm. the spec is still good enough that it doesn't really hold you back. Yeah. There's nothing to, you know, there's nothing that really compromises the ride, and you know the bike that. Yeah, in fact, actually, the top three bikes in Trail Bike of the Year this year were direct sales bikes. Yeah. But but not because they had the best kit, but because they happened to have really good kit, but also rode really well on the trail. So if you combine the two, you know, mm. if, you, if you've got two bikes, one direct sale, one LBD, and they both ride really well, I'm still going to pick the one with a nicer kit because longevity, because weight, because ultimate performance. <laughs> So I was going to ask about, so in that three to three and a half grand test, mm. uh, so what was the travel, like 140? Uh, 120 to 140. Okay. So are you talking 
do they all have alloy frames or do you, can you get a carbon frame for that? Most device? of them were carbon frames in that really? test. Yeah. Well, what I found actually really interesting but, was... But is, so did the carbon frame bikes do well or were they compromised on spec? The bike that won was carbon frame and it had the best spec. Was it direct sales? Yeah. Yeah. Propane. Yeah. Um, the top three, well, the top five, if you want, was, you know, um, Propane Hugene 1. Um, it's just a really good all-round trail bike. Carbon frame front and rear astounding kit for the money like really really you know xo one drivetrain great tires good wheel set xo one drivetrain for three and three and a half okay so you get like what a lyric ultimate or a, a pike ultimate? ultimate um and a deluxe ultimate so these are yeah top top spec top spec really. yeah like pike ultimate is it's a damn good trail fork one of the best if not the best trail forks yeah in um, my opinion and then, yeah, SRAM X01 drivetrain, you've got Stan's Mark III rims, the latest version of the Sun's uh, flow yeah. rims. You've got really good uh, tires from Shawby, um, a bike yoke dropper, decent finishing kit. You know, like the, the package is great. So what if, what if we talked a lot about direct sales, what if you, you want to buy your bike from a proper bike shop, you want to support your bike shop, mm. you want to have someone there mm -hmm. to take your bike back to who knows your name and yeah. says, all right, Dave, how's it going with that bike? Oh, I've got this wrong with it yeah what was the best shop bike in that test the 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 top the, the top placed shop bike was the trek fuel ex yeah and i was a bit uh when we were planning that test i actually didn't get the bike i wanted and looking at you know i think it's, there's a pricing thing with it but they they sent a carbon version of the bike the 9.7 mm. and that frame is solid it's a beautiful beautiful carbon frame but the you pay for the carbon with less good parts with less good parts yeah um and to some extent the parts on the bike held it back a little bit the brakes weren't as good mm. i didn't particularly get on with the brakes and i felt that the wheel tie combo could have been improved the fork was fine but not great yeah the alloy version of the bike or the, as close as you can get is actually a fair bit cheaper, weighs a little bit more, but you get a better drivetrain and there's a couple mm. of little bits. And, and actually, you know, I think I even said in, in the test, you know, if you're looking at the Fuel EX 9.7, you weren't bothered about a carbon frame. You really wanted that bike. I love that bike. Yeah. The Fuel X is a great bike to ride. Get the aluminium one. I yeah. don't think it's that compromised and you'd save a packet, which you could then spend on upgrading the wheels or tires or whatever it was, yeah, yeah. put a new damper in the fork. Yeah, I mean, it seems like at three grand, my well, my sort of notion of that price point was, don't get a, don't stretch to a carbon frame mm. and compromise on the parts. But it sounds like if you're prepared to go direct, yeah, like that propane, like it couldn't really have better parts, C couldn't really have much better parts, yeah. and it's got a carbon frame. So it's like, well, if you're prepared to go direct sales, yeah, and if you got what three three and a half grand to spend. Mm. Seems like you don't really need to compromise on either. But if you want to buy shop or if you want to buy something a bit cheaper. Mm -hmm. like, There's no reason not to go alloy. Alloy has really. got to be the better value option. Yeah. Like the, the difference in weight is not marginal. that big, pretty marginal. Difference in stiffness is probably pretty much the same. And There's a few features that you don't get in an alloy frame. Like Trek of, you know, obviously Specialized have had their swap storage compartments for a little while trek have got that on the fuel x carbon ones yeah does it matter although no. with the specialized bikes the carbon frame with the door in it isn't actually much lighter no because they have to because bulk it's, around it's compromised to have a door and i'd rather have the door no, don't get me wrong like the swat door or whatever trek is calling it is a great feature because you can put like a pump yeah things like that without having to carry it feels like a gimmick when you first see it but actually when you use it you're like Meh. yeah yeah um, do the one I really liked, complete tangent. Um, Bergamont. So Bergamont sent a bike in last year for the 2019 Trail Bike of the Year. Contrail, they call it. Classic year. Uh, great year, great year. Trail Bike of the Year. <laughs> and it, I'll be brutally honest, to Bergamont, it wasn't a great bike. Mm. They've updated it. Um, they sent a 2020 version in. That bike, if you change the stem from a 70 mil, whoops, down to 40 mil. Yeah. And then change the Maxxis forecaster tires off to put something a little bit well, well actually with some grip. Really good little trail bike. That it's got a 
beautiful back end. The suspension's great on it. Mm. But they've they've got one of these little compartments, which is a very in thing to do these days, and it's just down um, above the BB. And you open like this little plastic door that pops open, and out pops um, that Syncross ratchet tool, little ratchet tool. Oh yeah, I've seen oh, that. Like, God, when that's when that when I saw that when I took the bike out of the box, I was like, God, this pretty brilliant is that? Like yeah. little touches like that, I think help give value to bikes that maybe cost a bit more than maybe you should be paying. Yeah, because I think if you've got three grand to spend on a trail bike, there are so many options mm. that, if we're honest, are fairly similar, at least on paper. They may yeah. ride quite differently, but on paper, if you're looking at them, well, they've all got, you know, 66-degree-ish head angles. They've all got the same amount of travel. They've all got this yeah. If you're like, well, this one's got a tool. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's really well, handy. They've thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Nice thing about that Berg one, actually, was, okay, it, it was... Not as good. Actually, it was it was bloody good. Actually, it was good, but it wasn't as good as the winning bike, mm. probably just about. But it was five hundred quid less, and with that five hundred quid, you could very easily spend thirty quid, forty quid on a stem, fifty quid on a front tire, and you've got a real cracking bike for just over three grand. Yeah, from a, a local bike shop. I so this is like I haven't really done a bike test in the three grandish category for a while, and it surprised me what you can get nowadays. It's mad, yeah. If but again, if you're looking at the right places, the other company that sort of fairly well impressed was Bird. Um, so I know like yeah. there's a lot of you know there was a lot of carbon bikes in that test. I think bike companies like sending carbon bikes for some reason. I don't particularly get it. I'm not sure I buy a carbon bike necessarily, but so Bird's new Ether Seven is aluminium, pretty rad. You know, like the the geometry on that bike is, you know, it'd suit you down to the ground. It's it's a big old long, long low slack bike, massive mm. reach. Um, but it's aluminium. It's not the most polished looking bike aesthetically. I, you know, you can see where the big welds are and all that sort of stuff. But it's very well thought out. Very some real nice little touches on there, and again, really good kit for the money. Mm. Um, so there's there's plenty of options, and Bird have this kind of halfway house, I think, where. I mean, this is actually one of the big trends I've noticed. And, and certainly when you get to this price point, you see it with Bird, you see it with Propane, you see it with Orbea, um, is this ability to customise spec on your bike. Yeah, yeah. So whereas, you know, if you go and buy a Trek Fuel EX, you get, you know, a Bontrager Line Comp 30 wheel set with the XR4 tyres. Good knowledge, with, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> uh, with, you know, like, you get that bike. And someone else who buys yeah. that bike gets that bike. What I really like, though, is these companies where you can buy that bike, but you can also, there's like a little drop down, and there might be a few different tire options. There might be a few dropper post options. And it just mm. means that you can either make a bike fit exactly what your budget is by getting slightly nicer bits here and there. Or if you say, look, okay, I don't think that um, the Minion works for me. I want a Shorty or I want a Mary or something like that. You can just pop in and change all those things. You get a slightly longer lead time, maybe. Yeah. But having that adjustability, I think, is cracking. Yeah, I agree totally. I had a bike test last year with an Orbea Rallon mm. or Rail. 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 And it is a, is it a French company. <laughs> no, they're, uh, they're Spanish. They're Spanish. Um, Rail. But uh, anyway, so you can customize, and, and the bike was cheaper than budget. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'd like to fit this bike in, but it's too cheap. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't fit with the other bikes. So I. I upgraded the dropper post. So it was a really long travel dropper post. Mm -hmm. Upgraded uh, the tires, I think, the shock, the fork, mm -hmm. the brakes. And I was like, oh, now it's the same price as the other yeah. bikes. And I've got like exactly what you almost want. dream spec. Yeah. And the best thing about Obeya is that if the bike is, if it's not one of their base models, if it's like one of the, you know, we're talking like it's three, four, five grand sort of yeah. pricing, is their Mayo program, which is, if you if you don't mind waiting a couple of extra weeks, you can get that frame painted, kind of yeah, how in you a want whole it. range of that. I think we worked. There's over a million different color options for you know for the Rion or for the um, for the Ockham. You go onto their like this this computer thing, and you can change the mainframe. They've got little inset colors. You can change the logos. You can get your name on it. You can get all these things. Mm. And like, oh, they, they presented this to us. I was like, oh, but I wonder how much that costs because Trek Project One they do the same thing. Costs load a dollar or better thing doesn't cost anything yeah but it takes a couple of weeks for your bike to arrive but hey who cares but that, that's that's kind of like direct sales isn't it in that you kind of get added value mm. but you don't get it in the shop but there so but it's the same it's the same price 
Or Bay is that halfway house. Yeah. Because you can buy direct from their website if you want, and it gets delivered to your local shop. And your local shop then puts it together for you, sorts it all out, and then you go mm. and pick it up. So you get that local bike shop service. Your local bike yeah. shop gets that business, which is important. Yeah. Because that's one of the, obviously, criticisms of direct sales is that your local bike shop doesn't get that big bit of business with that, you know, it's a small margin on a bike, but it's a considerable amount of money for bikers a few grand. Yeah, yeah. And that's why local bike shops go out of business. Because, yeah. that, you, know, for, you know, we can talk about the economics of bike yeah. shops, but... And then when you, you know, need a spare inner tube, you're like... Can get one. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Orbea, and I, I, there's a couple, I think Trek have been trialing that, certainly in the US and maybe in the UK, I can't remember, where you can buy it online through their website and they'll deliver it to the local shop. The shop gets a slightly smaller margin, but they do less work for that for that money. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like it's a good It's pretty smart. Um, and I think even Bird were looking at a, a similar project. I don't know if they've done it or not, but um, mm. so there's ways around it. Um, we've digressed, haven't we? Yeah, so we were talking. We got up to like three grand, but but you can spend way more than that. You can spend like eight, nine grand. Like the new specialized enduro, mm. the S Works one, nine grand. Mm. Um, so what what do we get when we go from three grand, which already sounds like quite a bit of cash, pretty top spec bike, in some cases up to like nine grand? Like you get an awful lot of diminishing returns. Yeah. You don't get a huge amount extra. It feels like, I know this is not a visual medium mm. podcast, but I feel like if you drew a graph of like the price of bikes mm-hmm. on the x-axis and the how good they are mm-hmm. on the y-axis, like the gradient as you go from like 500, 1,000, 2,000 pounds is astronomically yeah. steep. Like you can get so much more bike yeah. if you spend an extra 500 quid, an extra grand in that kind of category. But then from two to three, it kind of levels off a bit. And then after three, three and a half grand, it's... A very shallow gradient yeah. of improvements. It's um, like if you compare a three to a nine grand bike, it's mm-hmm. like, what you know? What do you really do? What get do you really get? So, I'm... so you're pr- you're probably if you're not talking about direct sales, you're probably talking about an alloy frame at nine at three grand. Yeah. Whereas you know any bike shop bike carbon frame nine grand, but yeah. you may be only saving five hundred grams there. Mm-hmm. Or having a door installed. Um, not both. No. Um, you can also get... Um, one of the main things that happens, particularly with longer travel bikes, is you have more sophisticated suspension, mm-hmm. particularly if you go down the Fox route. Yeah. So at three grand, you probably have like a fit for or a grip damper, which just has a simple like low speed or just a compression adjustment dial. And a rebound adjustment dial. And that's, I think that's fine. Mm. I think that's great. But if you go for like a nine grand bike, like that specialized, you get high and low speed adjustable compression, high and low speed adjustable rebound on the frame and fork. Yeah. So you have eight different damping adjustments on the bike. I mean, that's great if you know how to do it. Yeah. And if you've got the time to set it up. Because, I mean, it's my job to set up bikes. Like that's a big Mm. part of my job. And, you know... I have a huge amount of experience of doing it. And, and you know, because it's my job, I will take the time to do it. I'll go out and ride the same bit of track over and over again and, like, tweak things. And I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, does everyone... Just because you've got nine grand in your bank account doesn't mean you've got the time and the yeah. inclination to go out and spend ages setting up your suspension. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, some brands have pretty good recommended settings yeah. for those dampers, and that makes a world of difference. They say, like, oh, you weigh this much, you want to run this much pressure these compression and rebound settings um so you just dial it in and it's kind of like a kit but a lot of them don't like that orbea for example i kind of had to upgrade the shock just so that it was in the same ballpark Mm -hmm. of price but then i was like well now i've got to spend a morning setting up the shock yeah um and yeah, so so that's kind of a blessing and a curse. It's it's a double edged sword to have that. Because it, it gives you the opportunity to get it wrong as well, and then make totally. your super expensive bike feel terribly shit. Yeah, you you'd have to work. So if you have a three grand bike with like a shock that just has rebound damping, mm-hmm. and maybe it has a low speed compression lever, but it just basically just has rebound damping. And then you have a nine grand bike that has low and high speed compression, low and high speed rebound. Mm. To get the nine grand bike to feel as good as the three grand bike, you're gonna to have to put in a fair bit of work. Yeah, and understanding and yeah, and learning and and 
yeah, maybe there's p- potential to squeeze a few more percent to make it more personalized to your writing style. Mm-hmm. But but to even get to the benchmark, to uh, to get better than the, the baseline of the three grand bike basic shock is, yeah, it takes a bit of work. Yeah. So that's a double-edged sword. Also, I think with uh, with things like brakes, some of I think my favorite brakes from the Shimano are the Dior's. Yeah, they have the most the most consistent bite point. They feel quite wooden. Mm-hmm. They're not as powerful as the XTRs, but the the bite point is really nice and consistent. Because if you go to like XT XTRs, a lot of them have that wandering bite point still. Yeah, and I was like, well, I'd rather have the cheap ones. I think if you if 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 Shimano had that problem sorted. Oh, totally. I mean, those brakes are light, and they have loads of pad clearance, and they have amazing power. And they've got a better lever as well. Than SRAM? No, than the cheaper Shimano ones, because they've got that little knuckle that pushes on the bar. Yeah. It's a stiffer overall structure. Yeah, fair fair enough. But, but like, I've, I've ridden a few sets of XTs and XDRs mm, and, and SLX recently, issue, yeah. and they still are biting at different points yeah, every yeah. time, particularly if you're going over rough terrain. Yeah. It makes it way worse. Um. So yeah, in in some cases, there's ways well, worse than diminishing returns. Like, um, do you have a problem with the nine thousand pound bike? What, like, philosophically? Yeah. Because no, if you, no, if I you think read, that... if you read the comments on on whether it's forums or YouTube videos and stuff like that, people have a real issue with it. I think people. It depends on whether you have an issue with with wealth. Mm. Generally, if you if you see someone in a, in a Bentley and you think absolute wanker, <laughs> or if you, let's let's put it another think, way, if you see someone in a Bentley and you think, oh, like, yeah, what a like what a waste of money, like what a yeah, I, I think a, bit, a lot of people seem to sort of think the bike industry is taking them as a, for mugs for having these expensive bikes and. No, I disagree with that argument strongly because the nine grand bikes are creeping up and up. That you know, the high end, the amount you can pay for a bike is getting more, mm-hmm. but the amount you can get for three grand is better. Yeah, like and the, the amount bike, you can get for a gra- five hundred pounds. Yeah, totally. Like we wouldn't have been doing that five hundred pound bike test in a sort of serious way. A few years ago, it would have mm. been like, oh, this is a bit of a novelty. Mm. Like, oh, let's see, let's see if they break. But now it's like, oh, which is the best? Which, which is actually a really serious entry entry into mountain biking? And it's the same at any price point, like one grand, two grand, three grand. You can get a way better bike now than you could five years ago. Yeah. And that's partly because of direct sales, directly pushing the prices down. Partly because everyone else has to squeeze their margins to keep up. It's partly because better technology that starts off at the high end, mm. like better geometry, one by drivetrains, etc., People realize, well, actually, this doesn't cost any more to make. It's just like intellectual property mm. has to kind of filter through and then, you know, it benefits everyone. And it's like, yeah, like it's, it's without those, you know, I, I agree. Like, I'm not going to go and buy like a, a nine grand bike with my yeah. own cash. Likewise, I'm not going to go and buy a 80 grand car. But the fact mm. that they exist is, well, it's fine. Just don't. Don't go and buy it. But the, yeah, the, the, the bike industry isn't taking for you you for a mug unless you already are a mug. Yeah. Like if you if you if you want to spend nine grand on a bike, that's absolutely fine. Mm. But if you want to spend three grand on a bike, you'll get a bike that's almost as good. Yeah. So and, and, and it's probably partly as good because this trickle down thing, you know, like if if there was no money in the super top end bikes, which is where mm. the you know, whether it's you know, if if you if you don't want to get SRAM access on your two and a half grand, three grand trail bike in five years' time. That's fine. But mm-hmm. it might be an option given that it exists on those nine grand bikes now. Because at some point, you know, if more and more people have those bikes, if more of the yeah. technology is built, then it will become it will come down in price. And it means that those in five years' time, maybe we will be riding around on wireless drivetrains. And having ridden yeah, wireless maybe- drivetrains is bloody good. Yeah. I mean, maybe if the technology can be made cheap enough, if the, if the price can be innovated down, mm. maybe, yeah, we'll be talking about one grand bikes that have yeah, wireless drivetrains. Because, I mean, what is it, like a watch battery and a bit of Bluetooth? I mean, let's not quote that to SRAM. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what That's it is. That's basically what it is. Um, but, yeah. I mean, so does it have to cost more money? Well, I mean, I'm the, not sure. I, I think, mean, the reason why it costs so much money now is because 
I mean, like any industry, there's R and D costs to recoup. Yeah, you know they 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 have spent money creating that system, and they have to recoup that money to before they're gonna. Of course, they're gonna yeah. charge a lot for it. And also, they'll they'll make more profit on their investment if they start at the high end, then go lower. Like we saw it with like uh, Eagle SRAM mm. Eagle or or SRAM twelve or Shimano twelve speed. It mm. starts at the high end and then works its way down, and then wait till everyone's who wants XTR has bought it, then they go XT, then they go SLX, and so on. Yeah. It's like, that. you know, that's, 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 that's business, how businesses work. Yeah. You know? Better. You know, businesses we, aren't there to... The, the bike industry is not a charity case. It's, you know, it's an industry. So, and they, you know... I mean, our point is this. You, you can spend a lot of money on bikes, and if you want to go and do that, that's great. And that stuff that you spend your money on will help people who don't want to spend that much money in a few years' time get the same performance benefits. The fact is that a three grand bike now is as good as an eight grand bike three or four years ago. A, a thousand pound bike now probably outperforms two, three thousand pound bikes from a couple of years ago in many respects. Yeah, yeah. It's I just reckon. how stuff works. Maybe it does, yeah. So, um, yeah, a little run over. Sorry. Um, so, I mean, I guess the only other sort of topic we could talk about is e-bikes, but um, we've just been told by our producer that we're 50 minutes deep into this podcast and you probably don't want to listen to us anymore. Yeah, which is fair enough. Um, probably will say that, yeah, e-bikes cost a bit more. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you can get you can get a good one now, from again, for people like Vitus, for like three and a half grand, four grand. Yeah, which is a damn sight less than 12 grand from Mondraker. Yeah. Well, yeah, good math, Tom. Thanks. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, there we go. Let, let's not let's not delve into e-bikes because there are a whole other subject that we could put into a future podcast. Yeah, but I mean, even with e-bikes, it's surprising what you can get if you shop around. Yeah, just have a good look. So yeah, there we go. Thank you, Seb. I think that was pretty comprehensive. Pretty comprehensive. Yeah. What can we just finish with? Yeah. What would you say? You are no longer a bike journalist, and you're on like, let's say, I don't know. 30 grand salary, yeah. 27 grand, I think, is the median in the UK. So let's say you had that salary, what bike would, would you buy? Would you spend like one grand, two grand? I would spend, because I really love mountain biking and it is my main form of entertainment, other than badminton club on a Monday, because mm. I'm really cool. Uh, I would probably spend just shy of three grand. Yeah. Um, I would consider second hand. We haven't talked about that. But if I was going new, I'd buy an aluminium trail bike, kind of do it all trail bike. Probably an Orbea Rockham. Yeah, yeah, seems sensible. What about you? Yeah, same. Like it cycling, mountain biking is like my thing, and I like I like nice bikes, but I don't think I'd spend any more than four grand tops. Yeah. It would be like an aluminium enduro bike mm. with like alloy wheels, decent suspension, decent tires, but yeah, yeah, I I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go. We wouldn't go mad. Go mad, no. Happy days. There you go. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our little discussion on um, how much should you spend on a mountain bike. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the Bike Rider podcast. Podcasts every Monday. There'll be one next week. Who knows what that's going to be because we're recording this well in advance of it going out. Thank you very much and uh, we'll catch you again soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com.